0: gotta do what i gotta do hello and welcome to the inaugural edition of the mma rundown my name is ben gordon i'll be your host and with this being the first edition i figure i might as well go into a little bit of detail as far as who i am and what sort of background i have in mma and what i kind of offer in this mma rundown podcast so I started watching back around UFC eighty-seven. I've been a fan ever since. Been following very closely. Started training back in two thousand eleven. I've been training ever since. And I also have a marketing background with a little bit of focus in sports in my past, where I worked with some hockey teams. So I've got an idea of what the UFC is trying to do as a business, and I can kind of bring that perspective in—the business perspective in, the entertainment perspective in, but also the sport perspective and some of the more technical aspects. So for this week. We've got UFC 209 coming up. That's going to be the big event for us. Uh, just a quick rundown right now. I'll go through the card, and then for the main fights, the bigger fights, we'll get through those later, starting with Khabib and Tony. So on the prelim card for UFC Fight Pass, it starts off with Albert Morales versus Andre Sukhamatath. Not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. Obviously, if he can get some big wins coming up, we'll all know how to pronounce his name, kind of like Ioana check back when she started. Nobody would even try to pronounce that name correctly, and... Obviously, now you have to know what it is. Um, The next fight would be Amanda Cooper, who is coming off a loss in the tough finals against uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Tyson Pedro versus Paul Craigman events that card. Then on the Fox Sports 1 card, there's Mark Goodbeer versus Daniel Spitz. Yuri Alcantara versus Luke Sanders. This is going to be an interesting fight. Yuri Alcantara, when he first came on the scene, looked like he had a really good opportunity to be a top prospect. Ran into Uriah Faber, lost a decision there, and really hasn't been able to rise in the ranks since but for him he's very skilled black belt on the ground very good striking he's the kind of guy where if he can string a few wins together he can find himself towards the top of the division speaking of top of divisions we've got mirsad bektich versus darren elkins which is going to be a very interesting fight on the prelim cards darren elkins is coming off of a win against god pepe mirsad bektich is being looked at as one of the top featherweight prospects this is going to be an interesting fight for him because Elkins is really good about getting people to the ground and just kind of grinding them out. And with Bektic, this is going to be probably one of the better wrestlers he's faced in quite a while. If he can keep Elkins off of him and keep this fight on the feet, there's a good chance he's going to be able to finish this one. But if not, it could be a tough fight for him and it can possibly bring him back a couple of rungs. And the main event on the FS1 card is Marcin Taibora versus Luis Henrique. Heading to the main card, the first fight of the night is Alistair Overeem versus Mark Hunt. This is going to be a very interesting fight. Now, these guys fought back in 2012 in Dream. Very quick fight and actually ended up getting to the ground really quickly and Alistair Overeem won by Armbar. It'll be interesting to see how this one goes. There are a lot of things going on right now that make this a much different situation than the last time and we'll discuss those as we get to it. Lando to Venata versus David Tamer. Venata, of course, made his UFC debut against Tony Ferguson, nearly defeated him in the first round and then ended up Getting caught in a Darf's choke in the second looked fantastic in his last fight against John Mcdessey so it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Tamar is a pretty good striker, but he's still fairly unknown. This can be a very interesting fight. I think this has very high fight of the night possibility for it. Uh, Rashad Evans versus Dan Kelly will be an interesting fight. Kelly's more of a grappler, which will be good for Evans, who recently had issues with his brain scans. It's interesting to see that he's going to be fighting right now. I'm not entirely sure what the medical side of that is, that... He could be denied a couple months ago, and now he's being given a license to fight. Hopefully everything's clean on that end. Uh, There's Khabib versus Tony in the co-main event. This fight is probably going to be your people's main event. This fight's going to likely determine who's next to fight Conor McGregor in MMA. It's a very interesting style matchup, and it's... I mean, there's just a lot to dig in on that one. And then the main event will be the rematch of Tyron Woodley versus Stephen Thompson, who fought back at UFC 205 with... That fight going to a draw with Steven Wonderboy Thompson winning three rounds to Woodley's two, with Woodley having a 10 8 round, which depended on which judge gave it to whether it was the first round or the fourth. Although the Thompson versus Wonderboy fight is technically the main event, the reason I'm going to go over the Khabib versus Tony Ferguson fight, because like I said, I feel like this is the people's main event. One of the most interesting things with fighting is when you have two guys going up against each other, you've never seen them compete before. You're not exactly sure how it's going to go. You could see it going either way. You see a guy like Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's dominated everybody he's fought, maybe outside of Gleison Tebow with his wrestling, and also his sambo, his ability to control people on the ground, versus Tony Ferguson, who's really got ways to finish you no matter where the fight goes, whether it's on the feet, whether it's in transition where he's catching a lot of people with his darts choke, or whether it's on the ground. So a fight like this, there's a lot to go over. There's a lot to kind of review. I'll still go in depth on Wonderboy versus Woodley, but again, that's a fight that we just saw back in July. There's not gonna be a whole lot of technical changes between now and then. It's more gonna be strategy. It's more gonna be how they go about their tactics. There might be some slight differences on that, but outside of that, we have a rough idea of how that's gonna go. Obviously, there are gonna be some things that are gonna come up this time around where there are gonna be some adjustments made, but again, that's a fight we've recently seen. It's not quite as interesting, and to be quite frank, The winner of that fight likely gets a fighter such as Damian Maya, possibly GSP, if he gets pushed into the main event, if he gets pushed into a title fight. The winner of this fight gets Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is the biggest star in MMA today, and really, when you've got that on top of the fact that this is a fresh matchup, this has to be looked at as the most interesting fight of the night. So the way I'm going to go about this is a couple things. I'll I'll talk about the odds that the oddsmakers have, whether I agree with them or not. We'll kind of break down each fighter, where they're likely to win it, where they could possibly lose it, and I'll give you my prediction on what I think is going to happen. So I'll start off with Khabib. Khabib's a minus 190 favorite. So that would mean if you put $190 down and he wins, you win $100 back. This is a pretty high favorite against a guy like Tony Ferguson. Now the thing with Khabib is his striking, it's it's not really used to knock people out, it's used to close range and to get people to put their hands up. So he can get in and take you down. Now he's fighting a guy in Tony Ferguson who's an excellent wrestler. He has a great background in Division II wrestling. He's fought some wrestlers before that have given him trouble. In particular, Danny Castillo was able to take him down a few times. But even when Castillo got him down, Ferguson was really elusive off the ground. Really able to keep what Castillo could do to him very very limited. And Ferguson was able to attack quite a bit off his back. So for Khabib, if he's going to be effective... I would have to imagine that he's going to have to get Tony up against the cage. He, he definitely has some shots that he can take from the middle of the octagon. He's got a very good double leg, but where he's at his best is once he gets you clinched up, once he's able to switch between his wrestling style takedowns and some of the more judo style takedowns where he can go from a double leg takedown, get stopped and switch to a Se- Seonagi where other people might just go double leg to single leg, maybe even to look for a high crotch, although that's not as common in MMA. And the fact that what he does is so different, the fact that he doesn't go from wrestling takedown to wrestling takedown necessarily, but he'll go wrestling takedown to judo takedown is what makes it so difficult to defend against because you don't have many people you can train with who do that. So if Khabib can get in tight on Ferguson, if he can start working chaining his wrestling together, get him down, be able to control him because, again, Ferguson has different ways to avoid takedowns. Not only does he know the standard wrestling defenses, but he's also really good with his rolls. He can roll out of takedowns. He did that against Josh Thompson, for example. But if if Khabib can get him down, can control him, which he's excellent at, very good guard passes, very good at using wrist control to keep people from framing up and getting back up, this can be like any other Khabib fight you've ever seen where he takes the guy down, beats him up for a while, and they either kind of give him an opening and he takes it or he just pounds on him until the ref pulls him off and that's the end of the fight. That's a very likely thing that could happen in this fight, and that's why Khabib is the minus minus-190 favorite. But again, Tony Ferguson's not going to be an easy guy to take down. He's not going to be an easy guy to control. And he has a lot of offense that he can offer. And if Khabib shoots in loosely, if he doesn't come in tight, there's a chance he gets caught in a choke. Tony has fantastic chokes. His dart choke is very well known. He's also got a very good guillotine. It's going to be interesting to see how Khabib can handle that. Which brings it to Tony Ferguson. Ferguson is the plus 161 underdog, meaning if you put $100 down on Tony Ferguson... You'll get 161 back, which would total you to 261 total. Um, This is one of those opportunities where in betting... One thing that I've seen in the past where I get myself in trouble is I bet on what I see as a possibility versus what I think is actually going to happen. With Tony, there are a lot of different possibilities for him to win this fight. He can win this fight on the feet. Khabib has shown in the past that he's not exactly the tightest striker. He's not the best defensive striker. It's more offensive to work into his grappling. In a way, that's kind of what ended up being an issue for Ronda Rousey. Now, that's not to say that Khabib and Ronda are even close in striking. Khabib's a much better striker than Ronda was. But as Ronda ended, up, ended her reign, it was going against better strikers than her, and she wasn't able to close the distance. If Tony Ferguson can keep at a distance, use his length, which he has about a six-inch reach advantage, and keep Khabib away from him, there's a very real chance that he can win this fight on the feet now again like i was mentioning with khabib if this fight does go to the ground khabib should have the advantage you you have to imagine that but again just because you're a better grappler than someone doesn't always mean you're going to beat them on the ground especially in mma now one of the examples that people like to look at a lot is the ben henderson versus anthony pettis fight where at the time i believe pettis was a blue belt at the time and he caught henderson a black belt who had been competing in adcc with an arm bar and the thing about jiu-jitsu is there's so many aspects to it a lot of its positional control a lot of its submission but when you're very successful in jiu-jitsu a lot of times the guy who wins blue belt isn't a blue belt at everything he's got a part of his game that's maybe purple or brown belt level and the rest of his game is just kind of good enough to get by and survive and he uses that purple slash brown belt level skill set that he has to win against other blue belts tony ferguson's darst choke is easily at a black belt level there are a lot of things that he does that are at a black belt level and to be quite frank, that could end up giving Khabib a lot of problems. Khabib all around positional position-wise should be the better grappler, but if Tony catches you in one of his moves, he can finish you and it doesn't matter if you're a better grappler than or if he's a better grappler than you. And there's a real opportunity for Ferguson to take advantage of that. But if we're going to have to predict things, the easiest way that I go about predicting fights is if you were to tell me Ben, the fight lasted five rounds. Who do you think won the decision? That's generally going to be who wins the fight. If you're counting on someone to get a finish, unless they're just so explosive and they're finishing everyone, usually you're going to count on the guy who you would imagine would win the decision. In this case, I'd have to go with Khabib Nurmagomedov. I think Tony Ferguson has a lot of opportunities to win this fight. There's a very good chance that he outstrikes him, but the problem that Ferguson has that is also a benefit to him, but it can also be a problem, is he's so wild. He leaves a lot of openings. He's gotten caught a lot in the past. And if you leave a lot of openings, you leave the wrong openings to Khabib Nurmagomedov, he takes you down, you can get sapped really quick. And you can get just mentally broken very quick. So for Tony Ferguson, it's going to be a dangerous fight. It's a fight he can win, but I don't think he's going to. I'm giving this fight to Khabib Nurmagomedov, and I'm going to assume that he's going to win this fight by decision. Mm Now the main event of the evening, which again is that rematch between Wonderboy and Woodley, it's going to be an interesting fight. So as we had mentioned before, the first fight, Tyron Woodley won two rounds, but he won them very decisively. Wonderboy won the other three, but he won them just kind of by outpointing Tyron Woodley. After the first round when he got taken down, he really backed off on his kicks. And a big question for this fight is going to be, On Woodley's end, is he going to start looking for more takedowns? He didn't really go for too many takedowns after the first round of the first fight. And then for Wonderboy, is he going to use the kicks as a weapon and risk getting taken down but use them so he has an extra weapon at his disposal, which will also help him keep the range. Now, again, in the past, for Tyron Woodley, some of the fights he's had trouble with, he'll back up against the fence, he'll wait for his opportunities, and a lot of times he'll wait for a very long time. That happened in his loss to Rory McDonald, which is very memorable. And in a way, it was happening with Thompson, but he was still striking with him. But the problem that Thompson had is that after the first round, he didn't throw very many kicks. He wasn't very aggressive with him. So he was trying to box Woodley, and by doing that, he cut his range down a little bit, and that ended up getting him caught in the fourth round. So if you're Tyron Woodley and you're saying, okay, this time around, I've got to get the win. I want to win it decisively. We're not going to a draw. What do you do? I think for him, the first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to shoot him for more takedowns. So one of the things that was happening a lot in the first round that made it difficult for him to do so is he had his back against the fence. So Wonderboy had the free space. If you shoot him when the guy's got free space, it's a lot easier for him to get away, whereas when you're against the fence. I'd look for Woodley to try to dominate the center more and use his right hand to kind of control space and get Wonderboy to back down. Wonderboy's already felt that right hand. Obviously, he nearly got finished by it. If Woodley can come out aggressive and kind of use that in his favor, get a takedown and start working off top, that's going to be a very good opportunity for him because he's very strong on top. You saw in the first round of the last fight, Wonderboy wasn't able to do much other than just kind of hold him there. play very defensively. He wasn't attacking. He obviously wasn't even able to get back to his feet. If Woodley can take him down and get that concern of the takedown in early, that's going to be huge. It was huge in the last fight, and again, you have to start this fight off by getting Wonderboy concerned about the takedown. For Wonderboy... Again, it's going to be difficult. You don't want to get too aggressive with your kicks and give up a takedown or give away something easy because then you're going to be in trouble. But at the same point, if you're just going to try to outpoint Woodley for five rounds, that's a dangerous game to play. It's a game he almost won the last time, so it's not like it's one he can't win, but you're going to take a lot of shots. You might not be able to land your shot, and you don't want to lose a close fight and then go back and think to yourself, I had to draw the first time. The second time around, I wasn't aggressive enough. I didn't go for my shots. And now if you're Wonderboy, you lose this fight, where do you go from here? You probably have to win a few more fights. You hope that Woodley gets knocked off by somebody and you can fight whoever beats Woodley for the title. But again, that's a weird limbo to be in. You never want to have two losses to a champion. A draw and a loss isn't a whole lot better. So that's going to be a concern for Woodley. Or for Wonderboy, I should say. If Now, the surprising thing about this is if you watch the first fight again, the biggest shots, the most meaningful shots of the fight were struck in by Woodley. Woodley's an underdog in this fight. He's a plus one twenty three underdog in this fight. That's very surprising to me. I think if you're betting, that's going to be probably going to be the easiest, most likely underdog of the night. Obviously, Wonderboy is not going to be an easy guy to get by. Woodley can get caught. He has gotten caught in the past. Nate Marquard, obviously, that fight was a while ago, but it, it can happen. He's been finished. But we've seen this fight. We've seen it recently. Wonderboy wasn't able to beat him then. And a lot of times with guys who have tricky styles. This was especially the case with machida versus shogun if you'd remember that fight the first fight will be close but then after you've kind of had a feel for what that guy brings to the table the next fight isn't as close so woodley's done a good job of training with guys like sage Northcutt. he's brought in other karate guys who can mimic woodley's style that helped him a lot in the first fight but now he's got five rounds under his belt against wonder boy and that's only going to help him even more so i would have to imagine that if i'm going to pick a winner in this fight i'm picking woodley and with him being an underdog i think that's a great opportunity to make money on the night so then to Steven Wonderboy Thompson, he's a minus 143 favorite, which, again, for how the odds work, that means you put down $143, you win back 100 It's It's understandable because, again, like I said in the last fight, if you say, hey, this fight went to decision, who do you think won? Generally, that's a safe way to bet on the fight. And we saw in the last fight, if this fight goes to decision, there's a good chance that Wonderboy is outpointing him in a lot of these rounds. But, I mean... It's going to be so difficult for him to come back. He's not going to be able to surprise Woodley with a lot of the stuff he was the first time. And with that being the problem, I just don't see him winning this fight. He's obviously got the weapons to do so, but if you have to pick one, you've got to pick Woodley in this fight. And especially with him being an underdog, that's probably one of the better bets you can make tonight. Or not tonight, but for the UFC 209. The final fight I'm going to go in-depth on is going to be Overeem versus Hunt. This is a very interesting fight. So, again, the last time these guys fought was back in 2012 in Dream. That was back in the days of Uberim, which will not exactly be the case now with USADA. It's also about five years ago. That's between then and now, that's the knockouts that Overeem has suffered in the UFC, as well as the shots he's taken in the cage. One of the biggest problems that Overeem has right now is the fact that he's been knocked out so much, the switch really gets flipped pretty quickly for him. And he's lost some fights to guys who he's much better strikers than. He, lost, he got knocked out by Ben Rothwell. He got knocked out by Travis Brown. He got knocked out by Stipe Miocic. When he's fighting guys who he's better than, he's in trouble. He's going to be fighting a guy, Mark Hunt, who he, he's got the reach advantage on. Possibly offensively, I think Overeem's a better striker, but Hunt is excellent. He's dangerous. He knows how to land his hands. And if he lands on Overeem, it's going to be a big problem. With that being said, these two have fought before, like I said. In that last fight, Hunt actually was able to get on top, get in top position. But from there, it it didn't last very long for him. Overeem was able to catch him in an armbar and finish him. Overeem's won this fight before. He won it quickly. To pick against him would be pretty difficult to do. Now, there's obviously a little bit more into it. So again, this is Overeem's first fight since the Steve Miocic fight, where he got knocked out and knocked out pretty badly. He was out on one of the first shots and took a few more while he was already out for him to win this fight he's going to have to stay very defensive which is what he was doing a bit with stipe where he was trying to keep his range he was using his kicks to keep range now he'll have a pretty good reach advantage against mark hunt so that's something he can do here as well he can still use his kicks but again mark hunt's really good at getting inside of range he's done it against taller fighters in the past most notably stipe miocic So for Overeem, it's going to be a matter of can you keep a high guard, can you pick your shots, and can you work your way through Mark Hunt? He's more than capable of doing it. Another possibility for him, and he's done a little bit in the past, is using his grappling more. He's an excellent grappler. Obviously, he competed at ADCC and was very successful. He's got a great guillotine choke, although Mark Hunt's not likely to shoot on him, so I don't know that he's going to be using his guillotine choke unless he catches it in transition. But if he can get the fight to the ground and sort of in a manner similar to what Lesnar was doing and just kind of beat Mark Hunt up, that might be the safest route. But again, it's going to be a difficult fight like most heavyweight fights, especially one like this where you have two knockout artists. Anyone can land at any time. But for him, I'd be really interested to see how he comes out. Does he come out defensively? Does he come out trying to pick his shots? Or does he come out and just try to berserk Mark Hunt? If he does that, it's going to be tough. If he lands first, he can finish. But man, Mark Hunt can take a shot and he can deliver one. For Mark Hunt... What gets very interesting in this fight is that while he doesn't have the longer reach, he's got a shorter reach, he's got great hands, you would think that in 2017 he's in a good spot to win this fight, just pure technically, because like I said, Alistair Overeem isn't going to be able to take very many many shots. Hunt's going to be able to get get in close to him a few different times. If he lands, he should be in good shape, but Mark Hunt's in a really, really tough position right now with the UFC with his lawsuit. I don't know what... Sort of effect that it has on his mind. Now, again, that lawsuit was against the UFC because he was very upset about having to face roided-up fighters. Well, guess who you're fighting now? You're fighting Alistair Overeem. Overeem might be clean for this camp, but man, his body has benefited from some stuff in the past. Whether he wants to call it horse meat, testosterone, so be it. He's been he's test he's tested positive in the past. Whether or not Overeem's juicing for this fight, he he's still going to have a very big strength advantage and a lot of it's going to be thanks to some of the stuff he's done in the past. If Hunt comes into this fight thinking, oh god, here's another Reuter. I didn't want to take this fight, but I need the money. I'm just going to show up. If he's not taking his training seriously, again, Overeem is extremely dangerous. He can catch you. He can catch anyone. He can catch Mark Hunt. If I'm going to have to pick this fight, it's it's a very difficult one. It's it's tough to go against Overeem because he's this fight's happened already. He won and he won quickly. It's tough to say what Mark Hunt's going to show up, whether it's going to be a motivated Mark Hunt, whether it's going to be a dejected Mark Hunt who is just looking to grab a paycheck while he sues the UFC. But if you're if you're going to assume the best out of both guys, if you're going to assume that Hunt's going to come in at his best and Overeem's going to come in at, their best, at his best, and this is 2017, they've suffered the damage they've suffered over their career, I would have to go with Mark Hunt because I think he's going to be able to take some early shots, but he's going to catch Overeem with one, and when he catches Overeem, he's going to be able to finish. But again, this is a very difficult fight to pick. I wouldn't put money down on it. It's a very risky play. In addition to the fights on the UFC 209 card, there's been some stuff that's been going on in the last week or so that I wanted to go over. First thing I wanted to hit on was Dominic Cruz's interview with Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan Experience. This was an excellent interview. So a lot of what was, what was went over is Dominic Cruz's injury issues in the past. He was just going through the storyline of where it started, how it went along and it worked its way towards the end where he was talking about his fight with Cody Garbrand and talking about what he sees in the future. So one of the more concerning things with this is he was talking about in the past, how he'd blown his knee out a couple different times and he blew out the other knee and he was saying that heading into the camp for TJ, he came in, he was on a boat pretty much when he got the call had about 12 weeks, got into it, started training hard and that's when he started having issues with his feet. That's obviously when he suffered plantar fasciitis on one of his feet now he's at a point where it's on both feet and the problem with plantar fasciitis is it's something that doesn't go away so he's been talking about in training how he trains with wrestling shoes he tries to wear orthotics and he tries to keep his feet comfortable but this is going to be one of those things where if he can't manage that over the course of his career it's going to make his game very difficult to implement a lot of what he does so well is based off of footwork and if his feet keep becoming an issue for him and if it keeps getting worse you'd have to be concerned that over time it's going to make things really difficult for him to get back to his old form and get back to the point where he's out of title. Now, one of the points he was making with the Cody Garbrandt fight is that he felt like Team Alpha Male had finally figured him out. And if you watch the fight, when you were watching it live, and again, when I was watching it live, you'd see Cody making fun of him. You'd see him kind of dancing on him. it just seemed like Cody was just trying to make fun of him, just trying to get in his head. Those taunts weren't just to piss off Dominic. Those taunts were specifically related to footwork and different moves that Dominic uses. So Dominic has a... He describes it as around 10 different sorts of footworks that he uses. Um, I would watch the BJJ Scout video series on him. He does an excellent job of breaking them down. But past fighters, they just hadn't been able to catch on. It seems like over time, alpha males caught on to that. They caught on for Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt was well-trained for him. He was able to avoid a lot of cruises. Techniques. He was able to understand when Cruz was going to try to elude him and go exactly to where Cruz was going, and that was why he was so effective. But even still, Cruz won a couple rounds in that fight. He definitely took some really hard shots after he got cut on what was either the headbutt, which is what they said on the fight card at the time, or whether it was a kick. After the cut, he said that he stopped playing so defensive. He got a lot more aggressive, and that's when he started getting dropped a lot in the fourth round. You'd have to think in a rematch with them, it's still going to be tough for him because, like, he, he did admit that Team Alpha Male hasn't figured out, so again, that begs the question, are you going to be adding to your game? If so, how much work are you going to put into that? What kind of effect is that going to have on your feet? He was saying that he just wants to sit back right now, let Cody and TJ fight, which should be around July, and then once they're done fighting, he'd like to fight the winner of that. It'll be interesting to see how that works for him. If if he's spending this time just kind of recovering, it, it's going to be good for his body, but For a rematch with Cody, he's going to have to bring something new to the table. And if he's not working on it now, it's going to make it very difficult for him to win that fight. For a fight with TJ, again, TJ's had five rounds with him. That was a very close fight as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But Dominic Cruz is one of these guys where early in his career, I found him to be very annoying. His fight style is very annoying. But the more you hear him talk, the more you hear him break down fights, the guy's brilliant. He understands what he's doing. He's got a unique... um, that he looks at fighting and that's really helped him become as good as he is even though he's not the most athletic guy at 135 I'm very interested to see what happens in the Cody and TJ fight obviously that's going to be a very big fight when it comes around TJ he's not the most interesting guy but the thing that's good for him is that he's got that background with Team Alpha Male and there are fights there that just kind of build themselves up even without him having to do much for it and this Cody fight is a great example it's unfortunate for TJ he never got to have the fight with uriah Faber, i think that would have sold extremely well especially if it was for the belt but him and cody don't like each other they've had a past there are stories where tj and knocked out cody in training there were stories where cody and knocked out tj i'm sure they're going to get very heated on the ultimate fighter when that comes out the fight itself is going to be very interesting to see who's improved the most since since then was there a clear a clearly better fighter at the time since then tj has talked about how it kind of went back and forth, but he said he got the better of it. A lot of times when you're saying it went back and forth, you're saying you got beaten a lot. I think it's going to be interesting, but again, who, whoever wins that fight for Dominic Cruz to fight them for the title, I think that's relatively fair. I would have liked to have seen Cruz fight a guy like John Lineker in the meantime, but if he's going to take the time off, get a little healthier and maybe even use some time to improve his technique, that'll be great. And hopefully he comes back and towards the end of the year, we get to see him again. Cause he's, He's a very interesting fighter to watch. He does things so differently than everyone else that when you get to see him fight, you're seeing something new. You're seeing something different. And I mean, the guy's actually a pretty good shit talker too. So whether he's got his rematch with Cody or whether it's a rematch with TJ, he's going to sell the fight well. He's going to make it a very interesting storyline just to kind of see who's going to win from a grudge match standpoint. But technically, it's going to be a very interesting fight as well. And so it's good to hear from Dominic right now. It'll be good to hear from him in a... Commentary standpoint on UFC 209 and I'm looking forward to see what seeing what's next for him mm-hmm. Now everybody's favorite story or maybe at least favorites depends on Your standpoint on it is Tyron Woodley and his issues with how he feels He's treated by fans how he feels he's treated by the media and how he feels Dana White even treats him So at the beginning of this week There was a story that came out where he was saying that he felt that Dana White was an even bigger diva than him obviously Dana had called him a diva in the past and with the fight coming up this week, we're going to have some more press events with Tyron Woodley. And he's likely to share a lot of his opinions again. And it's it's a very interesting thing. So here's here's the deal. Tyron Woodley feels that a lot of the way he's been treated in the past is a result of his race, not really a result of his behavior. He feels that he'd be a much bigger star if he wasn't black. And to be honest, I couldn't agree less with him on that one. If you look at some of the biggest stars in UFC history, you're looking at Anderson Silva, who's black, doesn't speak any English, and was a superstar at the time. He could have sold more had he spoken English, but again, his fights were, with Chael Sonnen were huge. He was just incredibly exciting to watch because of what he brought in the cage. You have John Jones, obviously, who's becoming a huge star and would probably be a much bigger star right now had he not continued to get in his own way. Again, he's black. That wasn't the issue for him. The issue for him was DUIs. The issue for him was constantly running afoul of the law and having some dirty fighting tactics on top of that. But even if you look at other combat sports, the biggest star in combat sports right now, Floyd Mayweather is Black. Black isn't an issue for him. In a way, Black kind of helps him because he plays into that. When He had fights with a lot of the other guys, whether it was his fight with Pacquiao, whether the fight with Marquez. He used that. So in boxing, there's a lot of nationalism and there's I wouldn't necessarily say racism, but it's more race pride. So when big boxing fights come down and Manny Pacquiao's fighting, there's a huge sense of Filipino pride. When Floyd Mayweather's fighting and you've got a black community, they're very proud of him. Tyron Woodley can tap into that, but the problem that he has is he keeps using race as an excuse. And the problem is that when it's not true, when he's claiming that someone doesn't like him because of racism and you know that that's not the reason why you don't like him, you kind of hate him even more. And for Woodley, it's a weird game he's playing. So as an MMA fighter, you don't have to be well-liked to be successful. You can definitely take the heel role. That's something that Chael Sonnen did very well. He was one of those guys where he said, you know what, I'm going to try not to be liked. And that ended up making him huge. Because then you had people who wanted to see him lose that were going to pay and watch. And you had the people who were like, you know what, I actually kind of like this guy. I want to cheer for him. So when Woodley does this, when he does this kind of race-baiting game, it's hard for me to criticize him too hard because i'm not sure whether he knows what he's doing and is doing it on purpose or whether he honestly believes what he's saying if he's playing this game and he's trying to play the race game to get people pissed off at him so we watch wonder boy the wonder boy fight and think oh man wonder boy is a huge knockout artist i can't wait to see him kick woodley in the head and maybe the next fight is maya like oh well he got by he got by wonder boy but maybe maya is going to strangle him and you're going to see him tap out if that's the strategy that woodley's going for Good on him. I mean, that's not a bad strategy. There are going to be a lot of people, especially hardcore MMA fans, that are going to keep watching Woodley fights to see him lose right now. But if he's doing this because he honestly believes that he's being denied opportunities because of his skin color, that people don't like him because of his skin color, it's not the case. There are going to be a lot of fans who like you and a lot of fans who don't. If you go based on what your actions are, it's going to be a lot easier than trying to assume. Oh well, they don't like me because of X. They don't like me because of Y. Do what you do. If you want to play a character, play a character, fine. But don't, don't get on fans and try to call them racist because you think that the reason they don't like you is race-based, and not because of your behavior, not because you sat out for a while and didn't want to take a fight in between your championship fight, not because after you beat Robbie Lawler and Tyron and um. Wonderboy Thompson was interviewing you that you were like, Oh, you know what? Never mind, I don't want to take this fight. You wrote a check that your ash ass can't catch, which I mean, even at the time, like that's not even the right usage of the phrase. So race aside, you, you say you wrote a check that your ash ass can't cash, and you're referring to someone just predicting a fight, that that doesn't even make sense. It's annoying. It's not even a race thing, it's just you're you're very annoying. Then after he won he got he won I, In a way it's like a win because he got to keep his belt after the fight with wonder boy that went to a draw he starts looking for other fights he looks for fights that nobody even wants like michael bisping no one really cares to see him fight gsp especially gsp's first fight back in years he keeps talking about money fights and the frustrating thing on that end is there's the max holloway approach where you say i want to become the money fight i want anyone who fights me to be in a money fight and then there's the approach that woodley was taking which was saying I want to find someone who's a big draw and I want to cling on to their name. I want to take the B side. I think if Woodley were to say, I want to become the A side and I'm going to do what it takes to become the A side and show that, it'd be a lot more enticing. It'd be a lot more, I'd have an easier time liking him, but the fact that he's talking about these other fights where he's saying, I want to be the B side, it's tough. It's tough to get behind that. So for Woodley, hopefully this week he kind of lays back on the race baiting stuff. If he's going to go on it and just make that his character, fine, go hard on it. But personally, I'd rather not hear it. And I'd rather this week be a little bit more focused on the fight. And if we're going to be hyping up fights, we're not going to be doing it through some foolish race baiting. In a bit of a surprising story coming out of Quebec, there was a big jujitsu tournament that was supposed to be going on over the weekend the uae canada pro national championship and last second it got cut out by quebec or by the government this is a very misguided decision by the government and it's one that you would hope doesn't have an effect on mma but it could so they had a ban on striking arts and striking sports and for whatever reason maybe someone told them that jujitsu involves strikes it obviously doesn't it's purely grappling there slams can happen, but they're illegal within the rule set. So it's not supposed to happen. The obvious thing that people like to talk about with Quebec and strikes is, well, if you're not going to allow a grappling tournament, how are you okay with hockey? Now, a couple things with that first off, obviously you're not going to want an argument like that about Canada banning hockey or Quebec banning hockey. Obviously it's gigantic in Montreal, it's gigantic in the nation. And really on top of that, if you're looking at the sport itself, you had the Penguins and Flyers game over the weekend in Heinz Field. There was a little bit of a skirmish or a fight between Dale Weiss and Chris Kunitz. The skirmish there had no effect on the game. The game's decided on goals. It's decided on who scores more. Generally, shot counts matter a lot more. Whatever they call it, Corsi. Fighting, or the fist fight part doesn't really have any effect on it. So this ban is more specifically to combat sports. Hockey, though there is combat in it, it is not a combat sport. Um, but still their decision to ban jiu jujitsu for the meantime, it seems to be a case where it's mostly affecting tournaments. So the schools out there, the places where people train are still going to be open. So it's not like they're putting a bunch of people out of business, but to ban tournaments, it's a big issue. And again, the UFC has had some problems in the past. They've kind of been able to use their size to work their way into Canada and work their way into some of these tougher markets where MMA in the past had been banned. You would hope that this issue with the jiu-jitsu tournament isn't going to expand MMA. You'd also hope that the officials are going to come to their senses and realize that jiu-jitsu is not a striking combat sport. And really, even if it was, there's really no good reason why it should be banned in the first place. This is something that can be safely regulated. It it is safely regulated across the world. Canada, you would figure being in North America, should be able to be up-to-date on this, be a little bit more progressive. I'm not entirely sure why they decided to cancel this jiu-jitsu tournament last second it was set up for a while and again the thing that i see with law is if you're going to take something that was legal originally and make it illegal you should have a very good reason why and you should have a great understanding of why you're doing it and if they're going to ban jiu-jitsu on the ground that it's a striking martial art or it's a martial art with strikes involved it shows that they have no idea what they're talking about they don't have a clear understanding of the sport and that they're legislating from a point of ignorance and that's really, that's a big problem for Canada. That's a big problem for Quebec, and that's something that they need to get taken care of. As far as the jiu-jitsu tournament goes, I had a training partner who went up to Canada to train out there. Obviously, he's upset that he doesn't get to compete in that tournament, but he got to train while he was out there. He found some local gyms to train with. He went back home. Obviously, the trip wasn't what he wanted it to be, but the sport will move on. Jiu-jitsu will be fine, but you don't like seeing that. It's not a good look for the sport of jiu-jitsu. It's not a good look for Quebec, and it's not going to be good for MMA when they try to especially smaller MMA organizations when they try to work their way into Quebec. So I would hope that they are able to fix that very soon and not have this issue anymore. Mm -hmm. For the final topic of the day, we have Greg Hardy who appeared on the MMA hour with Ariel Helwani. He is getting into MMA now. There were some, some interesting points in that interview that I wanted to go over. The first one is, when he was asked whether or not he would stop his MMA dreams for football, he pretty much admitted, yes, I'm still very very much into football. If I get an opportunity, I'll take it. And that, that makes sense. He's a football player. You have a very limited window for football. He's going to make a lot more money in the NFL. The NFL minimum salary would be a fantastic salary for a UFC heavyweight. It's much higher. So you can't blame him if he delays his career on that. Uh, there were some reports that Antonio Bigfoot Silva, who he trains with at ATT, was saying that he thinks in a year he could be UFC ready. The UFC heavyweight division right now, I'm really the heavyweight division in MMA. It's not great. If you look at who the top prospects are right now, you're looking at Derek Lewis, who guy has great knockout power, but he's not the most technical guy. He's actually underrated with his boxing, but his all-around game, he's not very technical on the ground. His wrestling isn't the most technical. Doesn't really throw a ton of kicks. Doesn't really use his kicks that well. Doesn't necessarily play the range game that well, but he's able to use his power. You have Francis Ngannou, who again... Physical freak, but is he a fantastic technical striker? Not really. Is he a fantastic wrestler? I mean, he's strong, but if you're looking at his technique, not really. Is jiu jitsu, again, he's able to rip people's arms and kind of use that He Man strength, but he's not the most flowy. He's not the most technical, but again, he's such a physical freak. He's able to do a lot of stuff despite a lack of technique. So I haven't seen Greg Hardy train. I don't know where he's at. Obviously, he's very new to it. He said he's been in doing it for about three months. So he'll develop some technique. He'll get some timing down. It's possible that a guy like him could be very successful. Obviously to dominate in the NFL at a defensive end, there's a lot of athleticism. There's a lot of explosion that goes into that to be able to get off the line, pushed by a 300 plus pound lineman who just needs to hold you back for five or six seconds. That's impressive. So there's a real chance that if he trains hard, if he really gets into it and if this is something that's natural to him, he could eventually become a Francis Ngannou type where he's getting by with his strength, his athleticism and his explosion while he continues to develop his skills. But the problem that he's got, obviously is that whole domestic violence thing. He was not terribly candid in his interview. It was a lot of, Oh, I apologize for what I've done in the past. But then when Ariel would ask him specifically what he did in the past, he'd say he really didn't do much. It's hard to say whether he's actually amended. You know, we've obviously had guys in the past like John Jones where they've, they've had their indiscretions and you'll hear them in interviews and they, they can play it well where, Oh, you know, that was the old me. I'm, I'm good now. I'm, I'm a changed man. I made some mistakes in the past, but I've learned John Jones is more convincing to me than what Greg Hardy was. So for him to be successful, he's already got the stigma of being a woman beater. That's going to be very difficult for him. He's going to have to be very valuable to get into an organization like the UFC or Bellator because of that alone. So that's working against him. But he's also going to have to be very clean from now on. He's not going to be able to really get in trouble with the law anymore. He's not going to be able to get in tra- trouble over drugs, not going to be able to get in trouble over any sort of violence, obvi- domestic violence, whether it's even fighting people in a club. you can't be doing that at this point. He has to stay clean. So for him to actually become a real prospect in the sport, there's a lot that's going to be ahead of him. He's really got to love MMA. He's got to be training constantly. He's got to be coming in there to learn. And he's got to have an open mind. He can't he's going to be able to outmuscle a lot of guys in the gym if he does that in training, it's going to work against him. He needs to be open to the techniques. And if he tries to t- train from a technical as- approach and he can kind of combine his athleticism with a more technical approach, he really can be great. But again, do I think he's going to be able to stay out of trouble with the law between now and however many fights it takes before the UFC starts looking at him? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's going to be given some tough guys early on. I don't even think he's going to make it undefeated through his first five fights. I think he'll lose at least one. And if you're the UFC, it, it's really going to be tough because they they don't want to start getting in, involved with people who are well-known woman beaters. They had their problems in the past with Cody East. They've had other guys who weren't in trouble at the time, but after they left the UFC, they got in trouble with domestic violence. If you're the UFC, I mean, it's going to take a lot for Greg Hardy to get to the point where they can actually bring him in and be able to say, yes, we're going to take a hit from PR standpoint for the fact that we're bringing in a guy who's a known woman beater who is known for throwing his girl on a bed full of guns. But if I'd have to say because of that. As much as it'd be crazy to imagine imagine a stud NFL defensive end getting into MMA, I don't think Greg Hardy is going to be the guy that goes straight from the NFL and has a successful career. There there may be some other guys who come over. There are a lot of guys who have had fairly short careers, a lot of guys who are very athletic, but maybe just don't make it to NFL superstar and that can still be great. Those kind of guys still have a chance to come into this game and be very successful, but I don't think Greg Hardy, given his baggage, is going to be a successful UFC fighter. So that closes this week's edition of the MMA Rundown. Next week, we'll be going over the results of the fights that we had this weekend. We'll also be going over some of the news that comes up. I'm sure there'll be some stories that'll come up between now and then. And we'll also be going over some of the other fights that are upcoming. There have been some new fights that have been announced, such as Eddie Wineland versus John Dotson that are very interesting. So we'll t- we'll cover all that. We'll cover some more interesting stories. And we've also got the NCAA Wrestling Championships coming up. So we'll talk about who I think is going to win at each weight class, who at each weight class has the potential to transfer over to MMA, and much, much more. So I'll see you guys all then.